And if you'll find it in your Bible so you can follow along, it's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. I was thinking about this passage a lot this week, as you can imagine, preparing to preach this passage. And it occurred to me that we all long for good leadership. Think about it for just a minute. We all long for really good leaders in all the different spheres of our lives. We long for a good leader to care for us and to show us what we're supposed to be like and to tell us what to do because life is so confusing and to cast a vision. We love a leader that can cast a vision and lead us there and get us there. But usually we're disappointed in the leaders that we do have. Think back over the leaders that you've been disappointed in over the course of your life. As kids, we look to our parents for leadership. We want them to care for us. And when we're very young, we actually think that they are the perfect leaders in our lives. But the older we get, we realize that there are cracks there. They are not perfect. They eventually start to let us down. When we're in school, kids naturally gravitate toward the cool, confident kids and think, well, maybe that's my leader. I'll be like them. I'll start to talk like them and dress like them. But inevitably, they let us down. They lead us astray. They're not the perfect leader either. At work, we have our managers and bosses, and we long for good managers and bosses, and we almost never get them. As you talk to people and they start complaining, it's virtually always about their managers and their bosses. I bet many of you could bring an example right now of the time that a manager or a boss really blew it and showed their imperfections. As citizens, we get all worked up over the various candidates for various governmental positions. Got the election coming up in November. You can look on social media. There's a lot of passionate thoughts about these candidates. One of them will be elected or maybe some third party. Who knows Who knows what may happen in 2020? An alien might become our next president. Somebody's going to be in office, and inevitably they will show themselves to be deeply imperfect and flawed. And they'll do the best they can, and it won't be good enough. Our human leaders just always disappoint us at some level or another. So this longing just persists. This longing for a good leader, a good and perfect leader, just is, is insatiable and unsatisfied in the human race. And I think there's a reason that we continually long for a leader that we can't seem to find. I think that's part of our God-given design. And it's meant to make us receivers of the leadership of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, I'm not going to quote him, but he argues that we are not born with any desires for which a satisfying object does not exist. So if you find that you have a desire within you, the odds are there is some object of satisfaction that actually exists for that desire. So a baby desires food. Well, that's all well and good because food exists. He says a baby duckling desires to swim. Well, that's all well and good because water exists. And I think we desire a good and perfect leader because a good and perfect leader does exist. And that good and perfect leader is Jesus Christ. He's the only good and perfect leader. It's Jesus Christ. So this passage before us today reminds us that Jesus is the leader that we all long for, that the whole world longs for, but often can't find. Now, you're here at church this morning, so you're probably thinking, I already know that. I've been in church for decades. I know this stuff. Tell me something I don't know. 
But are you living fully in light of the fact that we have the perfect leader in Jesus Christ? Are you living fully in light of the fact that Jesus is our God-appointed, Spirit-empowered leader? So let's get started. And we begin with Isaiah 11, verse 1, and God gives us an image, some imagery to help us understand where Jesus came from as our leader. Verse 1 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now this image may not quite immediately make sense. That's why I brought this round of wood up here. It's not exactly a stump, but it sort of looks like a stump to help us visualize. So the image is of a tree, like any one of these trees, standing tall and has branches and looks strong. But a lumberjack comes and starts to chop at that tree and saw at that tree, and the tree falls. Lumberjack cuts the tree up, removes all the, the branches and the brush and the, the heavy parts of the tree, takes it all away, and all that remains is a stump. Maybe it looks something like this. Now, that stump looks dead. It looks like it's over for that tree. But behold, a little sprig begins to grow forth from it, begins to shoot out of it. It's green. It has a little green leaf on it. And if you can imagine like a time-lapse video of it, it, it grows and grows and leaves begin to sprout and more branches come from it. And eventually, it's a whole new tree that has broad branches and it's full of leaves and it's bearing fruit. That's the image that God is giving us here. So the stump represents Israel. It's about to be chopped down and removed, and it's going to look dead and done, but it isn't. From the remnant, the remains of Israel, that stump is going to come new growth. And he's talking about the Old Testament word for it would be the Messiah, a coming person, a coming leader, a coming king is going to come from that remnant. And from that one shoot will come everything else. God's people would continue because of this coming leader. We know from the New Testament, looking back, that that coming leader is Jesus Christ. Now, here in verse 1, it says this is the stump of Jesse, and that may have thrown you off initially. Jesse was King David's father. David was probably the most famous king Israel had. Being the stump of Jesse gets our minds already in royal terms. So we're thinking in terms of royalty here when we think about this, this new branch that's going to shoot off of this stump. This coming leader is not going to be like a president. He's going to be like a king, which is different. His kingdom is not going to be a democracy, which is what we're used to. It's going to be a monarchy. He's going to rule with absolute authority, but he's going to rule perfectly. If you have the perfect ruler, you actually want a monarchy. The reason we love democracy is because we know there is no perfect leader. So we need all these checks and balances. We need a lot of people involved to keep any one person from screwing everything up. But if you had the perfect leader, you wanted to be a monarchy. And in Jesus Christ, we have the perfect leader, the one who was to come that's being promised here in verse 1. Jesus is the anointed king over God's people. This is how God chose to do it, how he chose to give leadership to his people. One king anointed by the Spirit and we know that king to be Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers Jesus to be our perfect leader. That's what the next verses explain. So let's read it again, starting at verse 1. We'll go through the beginning of verse 3. This prophecy of this coming king. There shall come forth 
A shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So the spirit of the Lord refers to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present in the Old Testament just like he is in the New Testament. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. In the Old Testament, whenever the Spirit of the Lord rests upon someone or rushes upon someone, it is to enable that someone to do what needs to be done for God. It it is to enable them to carry out what God has called them to do. One example of that is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. When David is anointed king, it says, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So God calls his leaders to do things that they are not able to do and of themselves naturally. And so he gives them their spirit. He gives them his Holy Spirit to enable them to do it. Jesus, taking on humanity fully upon himself, also depended on the Holy Spirit to do what God had called him to do, which was to be the anointed king over God's people for eternity. It says the spirit shall rest upon him. So in the New Testament, we see this happens kind of literally in sort of a bizarre way. After his baptism, in Matthew three sixteen, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him, fulfilling this prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit, somehow in, represented with this dove, rested upon him after his baptism as he began his public ministry. We know that Jesus understood himself to be this spirit-empowered leader of all of God's people from Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. Jesus is in the temple, and they hand him the scroll to read, and he picks up and he unfurls the scroll, and he reads a passage from the book of Isaiah. Not this passage we're studying, but another one along the same lines. So he reads it. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So everybody in the synagogue looks over to Jesus, having read this scripture. And Jesus began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Which was a shocking thing to say. But he was saying, I'm the guy. I am the one who has been prophesied throughout all the Old Testament who would come and lead God's people. It's me, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our spirit-empowered leader. So from the passage in Isaiah 11, we see... The Spirit empowers Jesus to lead us with wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge well. It's skill at living. It's the ability to make really good decisions, to navigate reality well. Understanding is like knowledge, but it's deeper. It's the ability to see through to the heart of things. The Holy Spirit empowers Jesus to lead us with wisdom and understanding. These are the the intellectual capabilities needed 
for a really good leader. King Solomon had these in 1 Kings 4.29. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure. But Jesus has them even more. When he was just 12 years old, he slipped away from his parents and they didn't know where he went. And they looked all over for him and they finally found him and he was in the synagogue at 12 years old and he was interacting with the Jewish religious leaders, not just at their same level, but above their level. In Luke 2, 47, it says, all who heard him at 12 years old were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And then as an adult, as he taught, people were amazed at his wisdom and understanding. John 7, 15, the Jews marveled saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? The Spirit empowers Jesus to lead us with wisdom and understanding. The Spirit empowers Jesus to lead us with counsel and might. Counsel and might is the idea of advice and strength. It's actually kind of military terminology. It's the idea that he has the God-given ability to devise good strategy and then to strongly carry it out well. The Spirit empowers Jesus to lead us with knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Knowledge is truth that is grasped, is understood, and applied well. The fear of the Lord is reverence of God. It's the beginning of wisdom, according to Proverbs. And, and this leader who would come, who we know to be Jesus, delights in the fear of the Lord. So because the Spirit of the Lord rests upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord, Jesus leads his people well. It's described as we finish our passage, beginning halfway through Isaiah 11, verse 3. He shall not judge by what, he see, what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So really boiled way down, if I've lost anyone at this point, Jesus knows what he's doing. We have the good and perfect leader. He is ours to follow, and he really, truly does know what he is doing, and we can fully trust him. Now, this is a simple reminder, but it's extremely profound if we will actually align our lives to this as being true. Now, I'll give you a personal application of this. Yesterday, I, yeah, I'm chewing on this all week, and yesterday I had some time with it again, and then I had to go do some yard work. And so when you do yard work, you have a lot of time to think because, you know, all it is is just the, the roar of the mower and everything. And I was thinking, what... I want to live in light of these truths. What does this mean for me? Just Matt Broadway right now. I, I want to respond to this myself. And I started to realize how much, I guess anxiety is the only word I can give for it, how much anxiety I tend to feel about the church. Just, are we doing the right things? Are we moving in the right direction? Why are so many of our people seeming to drift away instead of drifting toward Christ? And do we have the, the leaders that we need in the right positions? And what do we do in light of the pandemic? And how long do we meet outside? And when do we move inside? And you know, all these things, any pastor will tell you are just constantly in your mind. But then I was remembering that the New Testament clearly says that Jesus is the head of the church. 
And he has clearly promised that he will build his church. And he's taught in the scripture that he puts together the spiritual gifts that he wants to be present in any particular church. And we have all these promises and he genuinely is in charge. What am I worried about? Why, why would I ever need to worry about anything? The church is going to be just fine. The church, every individual church and the church at large has Jesus Christ as our leader. We're going to be just fine. He absolutely knows what he's doing. The closer we can get to trusting in Jesus' leadership as individual Christians and as a church and as the church, the more at peace and the more confident we will be. The further we get from Jesus' leadership and the more we attach ourselves to other leaders, the less confident we will be, the less at peace we will be. We can stop longing for the perfect leader. We already have him. And this isn't just some pie-in-the-sky, transcendent spiritual principle that, yeah, we'll enjoy one day when he returns. It's for right here and right now. You already have the good leader. So, so maybe our next president is going to be a disaster. Maybe it's going to be Kanye West. Maybe your, your boss is going to just lose their mind and make the worst decisions possible, make your life miserable. Maybe your parents are going to blow it beyond all measure. Maybe the, the peers that you've been emulating are going to go off the rails. Whatever happens with our human leaders, it, it really almost doesn't matter because we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we have Jesus Christ as our leader. And he has been anointed by God the Father. He depends on the Holy Spirit perfectly and he leads perfectly. Any step you take in obedience to his commands and his words, you can be 100% certain it's the right step. What other leader can you say that about? I hope he's right. I hope he's understanding this situation correctly. I think he is. He's had a pretty good track record, but we don't know. But that's not the way it is with Jesus. So how can he lead us? He's not here. Like that would be easy if he was actually here, if he actually had a physical throne and we could turn on the news and see him sitting there and he says, well, today, here's what I want my people to be doing. And it's not like that. We can't see him. He's not physically here, but he has made a way for us to really genuinely follow him and follow his leadership while he is not here. He's coming back and one day it will be like that. But for now, he's not actually physically here. Listen to what he says in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. I'm not going to read, I'm going to read parts of it. He's talking to his disciples. He knows that he's going to be leaving them. He's going to be crucified. They're not going to understand it. And he's going to be raised from the dead. But then he's going to ascend to, the, to be with the Father. He says, if you love me, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll follow my lead. You'll do what I've told you to do if you love me. That's one of the simplest tests. If you're a Christian or not, are you trying to obey what Jesus taught? I meet a lot of folks who are convinced they're Christians, but they have no interest in obeying anything Jesus taught or commanded. Zero interest in it. It's not that they want to disobey, it's that they don't care. You're not a Christian if you're not even trying to obey his commands. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, or could be translated counselor, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. On down in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit, who enabled Jesus and enables Jesus to be the perfect leader, Jesus gives to us to enable us to follow his lead. You may think, well, I don't have it in me to obey all of Jesus' commands. Well, you don't. But if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you to enable you to obey Jesus' commands, to enable you to remember them, to convict you when you get off track from them. The same Spirit that empowers Jesus to be our leader empowers us to be his follower while he is away. After his resurrection in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is with his disciples and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit come upon the church in great power. And all of a sudden, it's like the, the plug is plugged into the outlet and the machine starts to whir and work. And the church begins and begins to obey Jesus' commands. And here we are today continuing on by the power of the Holy Spirit obeying Jesus' commands. Now, Jesus is not physically present in the world but his body is physically present in the world, and it's you and me. The Bible says the church is the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. And he put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So how does Jesus bring about his leadership in the world today? His leadership described in Isaiah chapter 11. How are those benefits realized in the world today? His leadership comes about as we obey his commands together as a church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every step of obedience you take as a Christian as part of the church by the power of the Holy Spirit works out Jesus's kingdom a little bit more into reality. What are Jesus' commands? There's a lot of them. Well, Jesus summed it all up very simply in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 34. You know what I'm going to say because we say it all the time. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. So well, I can't do that. Well, I know you can't, but God gave you the Holy Spirit who can enable you to grow in it. So this is the great and first commandment. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. So as we grow in obedience to these commands and all the commands that are represented underneath these umbrellas, Jesus' rule and reign is realized here and now. Now when he returns, it will be fully realized and fully instated. But we are a foretaste of that. We are like the shadow of the approaching king. And so when the world looks at us and sees us by the Holy Spirit's power, obeying Jesus' commands and living the culture of his kingdom, they see a glimpse of King Jesus. They see a glimpse of his coming kingdom. It's a whole different culture. 
And it should look different. We work out our obedience to his leadership every day in practical steps. In our marriages. In our families. In our finances. In the way we talk to the cashier at the grocery store. In our priorities. In our budgets. In our planning. In our scheduling. In the work that we do. Whatever vocation God has called you to. As you work as if unto the Lord. All these little, they seem tiny, but if they're done by the power of the Holy Spirit in obedience to God, in obedience to King Jesus, out of love for God and love for the people around you, they are an outworking of King Jesus' leadership. Imagine the power, just thinking about our work for a minute, vocation. Imagine the power of Christians being scattered about into all the various vocations required for society to function and living out their obedience to King Jesus in those vocations. So Christians who uh, just are administrative staff going about their work, not for their boss on this level, but for their boss with a capital B, for their Lord and the way they interact with people and the excellence with which they do their job. Imagine the power of painters and accountants and handymen and managers and editors and CEOs and customer service representatives and school administrators and lawn care workers all spread about like salt in a meal, living out obedience to King Jesus. If we want to reform politics, flood politics with Christians because they will be obeying King Jesus. If we want to reform school systems, Flood school systems with Christians because they will be obeying King Jesus. If we want to reform academia, flood it with Christians because they will be obeying King Jesus. If we want to reform the the justice system, flood police departments and, and the judiciary and the legal system with Christians because they will be obeying King Jesus. Wherever you are, whatever your position in society, Whatever your family situation, your health situation, you can obey King Jesus. Let's live in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is our leader. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let's obey his commands together as a church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us this glimpse at our King at Jesus Christ through this prophecy is long before he was even born. But in it, we get to know him better. We see that he is the leader that we have all longed for. We have him right now. So let us not operate the way the world operates. Let us not operate as if we are leaderless. Let us not function as orphans. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would enable us to repent of our sins, to trust in Jesus as our Savior, and to follow him as our Lord, to devote our lives to everyday obedience to his clear teachings and commands. Lord, we long for the day when Jesus returns and makes everything right. We want to hasten that day. But in the meantime, let us live in light of that future kingdom now. In Jesus' name, amen.